You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 124. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and as always, it is an honor and a privilege to have you here for the next 30 minutes or so, and we're going to dive right in because we've been covering some pretty amazing topics over the last couple of months. Go back and listen to the archives where we talk about what is next, New Year, same you, where did the time go, who are you while you're getting there, your self-awareness, you're setting yourself up for success, your leadership, you're getting thicker skin, contact, conflict avoidance, cognitive dissonance. I mean, goodness gracious, that's just the last 10 topics. And as I begin to consistently, constantly, I say as I begin to review what I've discussed with y'all over the last 10 episodes, two and a half months or so, I I realize I do this all the time, is I'm not beginning, I'm continuing to look over the topics that we cover. It's never difficult for me to come up with things to talk about with y'all because I'm constantly learning and seeking new information to begin to bring it into my life and apply it and evaluate it, then reapply, evaluate, reapply, reevaluate, and just keep going and doing it over and over and over again until I get the desired result. And ultimately, my brain decides to raise the bar and seek the next mountaintop. And that's truly one of the best beneficial things I have around my mindset is that I'm not worried about the next mountaintop being the end because I realize there is no end. And I, and I hope that you've grasped that too over the last 124 episodes that your life is this consistent and constant challenging journey where you will have these ebbs and flows and these toward and away moments and you'll have these growth-minded opportunities where you absolutely step into your success and then you have these fixed mindset-oriented moments where you seek to heal what is holding you back. And when you look back at the last 10, 15, 20 episodes, what we've really been covering in here a lot is taking on personal responsibility for the life you have. Why do you think personal responsibility is important? What is your understanding of personal responsibility? When someone says, take responsibility for your actions, take responsibility for your life, take responsibility for your grades, take responsibility for showing up on time to work or to meetings or having your homework done, do you fully grasp what is being asked of you. So a lot of people will look at responsibility and say, well, I'm being responsible. I get my bills paid on time. I'm responsible. I show up to class on time. I'm responsible in all these external areas of your life. And that's absolutely gratifying whenever you take on the identity of a person who shows up on time, pays bills on time, doesn't mooch off of others, uh, takes responsibility for those external needs, wants, and desires that you have in your life. A lot of times that gets labeled as adulting 101 whenever we pay bills on time and we show up on time. Because a lot of adults, for some reason, don't do that. 
they'll laugh it off that they pay things on late or they'll laugh it off that they, you know, oh, you know, that's just one of my bad habits, always showing up late. You're disrespecting other people's time as much as you're disrespecting yourself. So it's fine that we want to call that Adulting 101, and I surely hope that after 124 episodes, you've begun to realize that that's no longer going to fly in your own life. But when I'm discussing, per, let me let me change that. I'm, I'm seeking to move away from the word but and start adding the word and, because but negates everything that came before it. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to negate things that I say. I want to add on to them. I want, to be a, I want it to be a compendium. I want it to be an addition to. So it's great that you take on responsibility with these external motivators, these needs, wants, and desires that you have that can be externally noticed by other people and yourself. And I want you to step into a a level of personal responsibility for what's going on in your mind. Emotional intelligence says that self-management is absolutely important as far as understanding how do you manage your emotions. Self-awareness asks you to even be aware of how you're managing them. Then you've got your uh, social awareness and your relationship management. Those are the four quadrants of emotional intelligence. So when we're asking you to be more aware of how you're being responsible and how you're stepping into personal responsibility in your own mind, this is going to take a high level of self-awareness. Not high as in like going to be really difficult to attain. High as in it's going to be a mindful experience to do it consistently. When you realize that your actions or lack of actions, your thoughts, your beliefs, the pictures that you create in your mind, these tiny little movies that you replay over and over and over again that you screw in, positive or negative experiences, it works both ways, then you will have taken the most important step in having a successful, abundant, fulfilling life. You have a choice in every single moment, how you're going to think, how you're going to feel, how you're going to behave, the actions that come from the, your thoughts and your feelings, your, your pre-programmed behaviors, right? When something happens, the cue that sets off a particular behavior that feeds the response, that gives you this, the reward, that gives you the um, result that you've grown accustomed to. When we think about personal responsibility within ourselves, what we ultimately will end up doing when we're not stepping into personal responsibility is blaming, complaining, and making excuses. And I want to get that out at the very front of this episode because I really want you to take that information in and hopefully you take notes at some point or you're putting them in your phone, a notebook, you're, you're just a little bit here and there so that you can remember key points that I'm making. Blaming, complaining, and making excuses are your very first three signs that you are not taking personal responsibility for what is going on around you, for the life that you are currently living. I have people in my own family, I have people in my tribe, I have people in my social circles, even myself, where I will notice them blaming others for a situation that they're in. Husbands will blame wives, and wives will blame husbands, and couples will blame one another. Well, this is what's happening to us because you wanted this or because you wanted that. Blaming them for this situation and taking no personal responsibility for the fact that they were just as culpable for the situation they're currently in because they were also there for the decision-making process. 
saying that I'm doing this to make you happy and then making yourself unhappy in the process and then getting angry at the person, right, who you did it to make happy is completely asinine. So if you're trying to do something for your boyfriend or girlfriend and you think, well, this is going to make them happy, but in the process it makes you unhappy, then getting mad at them for your unhappiness when you chose to do this for their happiness is absurd. Placing blame is taking the power of changing something within the situation, something about the results, something, you know, this goes back to circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, results. When you blame somebody else, you're completely taking yourself out of this equation where you have this circumstance, you have this event, thoughts and feelings come from it, they trigger actions which give you results. If you blame somebody else for any one of those five things, for the event, for the, which is a circumstance, for the thoughts, the feelings, the actions, or the results, if you take yourself out of any one of those five and you blame somebody else, then you're giving the power you have to make actionable change in the situation in order to change your circumstances, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions, or results. Giving that power to somebody else and relinquishing it and saying, you figure it out, then I'll be happy. It's not going to work. Because one, they're not going to really know, even if you tell them, well, if you go off and go buy milk and I'll be happy. Right? You still have to choose to be happy when they bring home the milk. You could hold on to the grudge that they didn't go buy the milk and blame them for your unhappiness, even though the milk is there, because they didn't remember it the first time you asked. But you're choosing. You are literally choosing to still be unhappy instead of asking them wow you know you 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 know i know you love me and i know you care about my needs and wants and desires and you forgot the milk is something on your mind is something going on that i should be aware of maybe i can help you with something instead of taking that seat of awareness you take the awareness that they forgot the milk they don't listen they don't love me this relationship's going nowhere i need to either make them prove that they love me or i need to start thinking of a way out that's the road blaming takes you down. Successful people don't blame someone else. They say something. They do something to affect change in the circumstances for the improvement and the more desirable future results to show themselves. When we complain about things we knowingly can't control or influence, but we choose to do nothing about the situation other than bitch, we are completely releasing any power we have over that situation to somebody else. In fact, we may not even be releasing it to somebody else. We are literally just sending negative energy out into the world. For what? For what in the hell is that going to change? Complaining about one of your fellow students who never shows up to the study group on time or never shows up with the work done for the chapter they were supposed to review so everyone could be ready whenever the study group started. Complaining about that and not actually talking to them about it and seeking to find out what it is exactly they're willing to commit to within the dynamic of the study group. If you're just complaining about it to the other members, gossiping behind that person's back, nothing will change. And either you will have to start picking up their slack, which will make you have resentment, which will eventually explode into some form of rejection argument. You're right. That's conflict avoidance 101 right there. Or you sit them down with the rest of the group and say, hey, we've been noticing you're not showing up to the study group with your work done on time. Is everything okay in your life? Instead of seeing it as an affront, an insult to you, 
perhaps see it as a call for help from them. I get that it's easy to label people as lazy or stupid or unmotivated and then just toss them aside and say, you know what, they're just they're just lazy, right? It's what people have been saying about the millennials now for how long? But when I was a Gen Xer and I was in my 20s, that's what they said about us. Every generation is called lazy and unmotivated and stupid by the by you know one or two generations before them. Because we don't remember how we behaved back then before we got more wise. So they'll complain, they'll bitch, and they'll moan, even though that kind of statement about millennials is no more true than it was about Gen Xers. We're not all stupid, we're not all lazy, we're not all unmotivated. Sure, some people are, but to me it has very little to do with the generation or the gap therein, and it has more to do with the fact that some people were just raised with a different level of work ethic. And you can learn a different level of work ethic. But somebody complaining behind your back isn't going to help make that happen. When I had a less than work ethic as a child, my dad would be very firm with me on how he expected me to behave and how he expected me to act when he asked me to do chores. Consequences were paid if those were not done, and I slowly but surely learned that it's just easier to do it right the first time and put maximum effort in rather than half-assed lazy, which honestly was just as much effort to make it look like I was working hard than it would have been if I just sat down and gotten the damn work done right out the gate. Rather than complain about me to mom and just let me go about my merry way, he drilled in a work work ethic and habit structure into me that taught me, no, just work. Just do it. It actually helped that he owned a bunch of car dealerships, and whenever he brought me in to start working the lot and vacuuming and washing cars, I didn't want people to think that I was taking, I was being a half-ass mogul, which is what my mom would call my stepdad sometimes whenever he would literally chastise me for not putting 100% of effort into something and then turn around and put a half-ass mogul effort into doing something that my mom had asked him to do, hoping that she'd just get frustrated with him and just do it on her own next time. Sounds a lot like what I was trying to pull off at eight years old, and yet he was in his 40s doing this crap. So when I got into the car dealership, I didn't want people to think I was a half-assed mogul. So I worked harder than anyone because I was the boss's son. I didn't want them to think nepotism was what got me that job, even though it was. I didn't want people to think that it was nepotism that allowed me to keep that job because my work ethic dictated that no one could say I wasn't trying. My dad didn't complain behind my back, didn't talk smack to the other people. He literally just came to me and said, this is how you're going to start working. This is what I expect from you. So when you complain about things that you knowingly can control, or at least at the very least influence, then you are taking personal, you are taking out your culpability for the situation. You are not stepping into your personal responsibility. The third one is excuse making. This is absolutely disempowering. It is a reaction. It is an ineffective reaction. We've talked about in previous episodes, emotionally triggered is a reaction, right? That it's when something happens, you react. You see a mouse run across the floor, you react, right? If you're used to mice running across the floor, then one, clean your house more effectively. And two, it's probably because now you, you have, you're more emotionally grounded when you see the mouse. So you have a chance to respond. 
instead of the event going through the emotional ghetto of your amygdala and getting tagged with all this negativity, it's able to just quickly skip right through that. It doesn't bypass it, but it goes through it and it shows up to your prefrontal cortex where your logical, rational thinking is and it allows you to respond. So if you find yourself emotionally triggered a lot, that means that you're in a reactive state. You're allowing the amygdala, your emotional ghetto, to tag this situation with all of this stuff from the past rather than experiencing it in the future, or, I'm sorry, rather than experiencing it in the present as the current moment that it is. So when you make these excuses and you have this disempowering reaction rather than an effective, grounded response, this is preventing you from thinking creatively about what you can do differently in order to influence the situation toward a more desirable outcome. And I'm very mindful of the words I'm using right now. It's not a better, right? It's not a good outcome. It's more desirable because what is better and good? Any more than what is desirable, but see, better almost places a judgment. Well, if something's better, that means that something was worse. If something is desirable, it is what you desire. You desire the person to show up with their chapter reviewed and ready for the study group. Now, how well they've done that could be where you put bad, good, or better upon it. But the desired outcome is that everyone shows up with their chapter ready to be reviewed. When they step in there and they start making excuses, my dog got sick on the floor, my partner is is going through their, their monthly journey or they're working overtime and they show up late at night and wake me up and I don't get good sleep. They're in excuse making. They're, they're stepping out of their personal responsibility for the situation. Move to the couch. Make the person showing up at three in the morning sleep on the couch if that means it's going to keep you from waking up at three and not being able to go back to sleep. Figure out a way to get your dog to stop vomiting all over the floor is always a choice to be made. When we, Let's go circling back to complaining because when people complain, and this happens, I mean, literally, I have like five different people complain to me about stuff. And the whole time I'm sitting there running this through the personal responsibility filter and calibrator, when someone complains, the reason why we are motivated to complain is because we know that there is something better available, something more preferable to be happening right now. But we're not ready or willing to take the necessary actions to create it. We'd rather complain, which is easy, right? You just sit there and just bitch and moan, just spew out a bunch of negativity, rather than actually step into your seat of awareness and say, what can I do to better influence this situation? And then taking action toward that. I would rather complain than take the risk and seek to create it. So I'll just complain instead. But complaining drains your energy. It sends out all this negative energy. You get yourself all worked up. right? You get your adrenaline flowing. Your serotonin and dopamine start to release into your brain, which exhausts them. I, there's some things I read about lymph nodes and glands, and it just sounds like it exhausts the hell out of you. Not to mention, it wears out your brain. Now, you can surround yourself with action-oriented people, And quit with this stinking thinking kind of ain't it awful club mentality where you just sit around with all your friends and bitch and moan, but you don't actually do anything about it. But when you complain, you know that there's something better. Are you willing to take the action and risk to make it happen? If you see that a coworker isn't pulling their weight, do you go and talk to the boss and say, hey, this is what's going on over here and it's really bringing down the rest of the team. What can we do to motivate this person or get this person off the team? 
This isn't one of those snitches uh, get stitches kind of situation like in prison. I mean, sometimes people aren't pulling their weight. And if you keep covering for them, then they're just going to keep letting you cover for them. And then you're going to be exhausted. You're going to get home late from work. You're not going to have the energy to be there for your partner or your family. And you're going to find your your life starting to fall off. While meanwhile, this person is just going through life hunky-dorily because they're doing 50% of the effort and getting 100% of the credit. No one complains about gravity because there's nothing we can do about gravity. We can seek to defy it, but at some point, it always yanks us back down to Earth. No one complains about gravity. Oh, damn gravity. I have to spend 14,000 gallons of, of jet fuel to get the rocket into outer space. That's just the way that it is. But we do complain about things like the weather or our job because we know there are better versions of the weather or our job out there. We'll complain about the weather when we live in Minnesota because we know some people in Florida are walking around in sandals and, and, and shorts right then and there. Are we willing to pack up all of our crap and move to Florida? No, I got my job, I got my mortgage, got my health insurance, got my college, got my kids, got this, like that. Okay, great, 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 great. You have all of that. That's awesome. All those people down in Florida have that same stuff. They have all those responsibilities. You could just transfer all those responsibilities 2,000 miles south, and then you could wear shorts in the summer and the winter, and maybe even actually have a summer. My friends in Minnesota tell me that summer, you know, not literally, but figuratively lasts like six weeks. My point here is we complain about things that we know there are better options available to us for, right? I'll complain about your job. Well, then go get another job. I hear people bitching and moaning about the restaurant we worked in all the time. It's like, you know, there's 15 restaurants in this shopping mall. And every single day, one of somebody is getting fired at one of the 15. You can go get a different job. Oh, I got health insurance and mortgage. I got all this responsibility. Okay, well, then here's what you're going to do. You're going to stay in this job that you hate for the next 20 years, making your life miserable, complain and complain and complain and complain, probably cause yourself to get sick once in a while because of all the complaining and negative energy you have. And guess what? Nothing's going to really change. Maybe the bosses have changed. Maybe the ownership changes. But will the environment change? Will the camaraderie change? Will the things you want to change change? Or will you just step into your seat of awareness and say, hmm, well, I created all of this stuff at this job. Let's go see if I can create it at another job. We complain about our partners because we know there's a better way for them to interact with us or there's just a better partner out there for us. So we think at least, right? It either is or isn't the grass is greener on the other side philosophy. See, I'm not interested in your excuses. I'm interested in your results. Excuses are reasons that could have been avoided. So we've dove in pretty deep to complaining, excuse-making, and the blaming. Every single second of your life, there is an event, and there's the response, and then there's the outcome. Your thoughts, your behaviors, your actions around that event will give you your response, will give you your results, the outcome. This is happening all the time. I learned it as E plus R equals O. Event plus response equals outcome. What is your response? If your response is to let yourself get taken advantage of, to not stand up and hear your and have your voice be heard, not speak your mind, and mind you, we're doing this in an emotionally grounded way. It's not immediately when the person shows up late to the study group without their, you know, just screaming in their face. That's not how we've been discussing how to communicate. So I hope that you didn't even go to that 
I hope that you already knew we don't communicate that way. And if you feel like communicating that way, walk away. Take a breath. Stop yourself before the reptilian brain has you saying something that you're not going to be happy with upon further review. Personal responsibility is one of those emotional intelligence keys that you are going to notice not happening around you all the time. Now that I've rung this bell, now that you've heard this episode, you are going to notice people complaining, blaming, and excuse-making all the time. I don't need your excuse. Ask the deli counter person to make a to cut you up some meat and be like, all right, I'll get you in a minute. I'm just going to wipe this thing down. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I get that. Some people could say that's a reason. Some people could say that's an excuse. It's all in your interpretation. Excuses are reasons that could have been avoided. Hey, I need a pound of turkey meat. Let me wipe this thing down. That's not an excuse. That's a reason. I, that's legit. Coming out from the back and be like, sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, there's a raccoon attacking my coworker. That's you know, okay. Sounds like an excuse. Because you probably could have avoided the raccoon attack that you closed the damn back door. Or not had scraps of food all over the floor. I don't know. What attracts raccoons into deli meat counter places? <laughs> now this whole whole metaphor is off the rails. And I hope you're laughing I just see a bunch of crazed raccoons going ham all over some ham while the, the deli meat counter people are trying to find them. <laughs> Why'd you leave the back door open, Bob? Well, I was just trying to smoke some cigarettes in here. <laughs> okay, I'm getting absurd with it, but uh, let, let me reel it in. And, and, and I know you're getting the point. And at this point, I'm going to stop beating the dead horse. You get it. Personal responsibility is being self-aware of how you blame, complain, and excuse make. This is extremely important, y'all. When you ask yourself, what is next? How can you overcome your conflict avoidance? Will this, ne- will this new year be the same you or the new you? You know, who are you behaving while you get, who are you behaving as, as, as you become this better, more enlightened, educated per- version of yourself? when we discuss this self-awareness, this emotional intelligence, this ecology, it's personal responsibility is at the seat, is riding shotgun with self-awareness. Being a good leader, having thicker skin and not letting every little thing somebody says get underneath your skin. I get it. Sometimes people say stuff and I'm just like, why do you even think that way? Like what on earth has happened in your life that has you thinking Thinking that way is is good for you, let alone now you're verbalizing these words out loud. Like, my Lord, keep it to yourself. But get thicker skin. Something's happened in their life that causes them to want to react and behave that way. You don't have to react and behave that way just because other people do. You can toss out a different way of behaving. You can just behave differently. Other people don't listen to this show. At least not everyone you ever come across will. And they're not, they're not seeking to grow in the way that you are. You're going to hear other people complain, blame, and excuse make. And that's just the way that it is. That's sort of human beingness. How can you step into a, a stronger, more self-actualized version of personal responsibility? You can be aware of your blaming, complaining, excuse making. And you can start doing something about it rather than sitting there and blaming, complaining, and excuse-making. 
Because unless you're blaming uh, somebody else who is action-oriented, they're not going to do anything about it. And unless you're complaining to somebody who steps into the seat of, of personal responsibility, they're not going to do anything about it. Unless you're making excuses to someone who just has plenty of time to make everything in your life better, they ain't going to do anything about it. It's up to you to do something about it. Even if your boss doesn't see the faults in your coworker, or even if the professor doesn't see the faults in your study partner, at the very minimum, you can change jobs. You can change study groups. And I know you're saying, Jesse, bare minimum, that sounds like a huge, drastic move. I could have said it as the bare minimum, you could at least complain to the boss or the teacher, and you can. So maybe that's the bare minimum. And what's really the maximum is that you ultimately say, you know what? This environment's not working for me anymore. I'm going to change jobs. And you might just be jumping over to to shittier, browner grass. Or it might be better. It's one of the reasons why in this culture today, the millennials and the Gen Xers have realized you can change jobs as frequently as you desire. Most of the time, that's the only way you're going to get the raise and the, and, and, and the promotions that you seek. But it also is sort of like we're looking for that job environment where we're going to be around like-minded people with a similar work ethic to us. Let's hope after 124 episodes, you're stepping into a very powerful, efficient, and effective work ethic. And now that you understand personal responsibility at this level, when I ask you what's next, it could literally just be, Jesse, I'm going to be in a seat of self-awareness around my emotional intelligence and personal responsibility. And when I find myself complaining, blaming, and excuse-making, I'm going to ask myself instead, what can I do to influence this situation toward a more desirable outcome? That, my friends, is like adulting 404. If you would like to have more interaction with this material, by all means, hit me up at Jesse Mogul, at From Sobriety to Recovery on Instagram. Starting to step into a little bit of TikTok, right? Not going to necessarily be dancing around, doing a bunch of cool, goofy stuff, even doing the trending stuff. But I'm going to be talking about this kind of material in quick little 30-second, one-minute, and three-minute videos. You can always find me over there. Drop in some comments. Let me know. Would you like to have more interaction with this? I have been creating, and there are spaces available for a College Success Habits uh, group mentorship. So if you would like to know more about how you could be involved with other people who listen to this material and care about it the way you do, please reach out to me. You can always email me at jesse at jessemogul.com. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy. Release and flow. See you again next week, my friends. Bye-bye. 